Welcome to Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. Rebecca, how are we doing? I'm doing swell. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm not as good as you over there in South California, but everyone, uh, super excited to have Rebecca on. Rebecca is basically the shit, if you didn't know. Her background's in competitive gymnastics, Olympic weightlifting. We're going to talk about everything. A lot of her work is in strength training. That's where she started. Kettlebell training. 16th woman in the world to earn the Iron Maiden title. We're going to talk about that. Uh, you know, okay, we're going to start with what I wanted to talk about before, but like, how does it feel to be an Instagram superstar? <laughs> Well, first of all, I wouldn't consider myself a superstar <laughs> and I still have a little bit of the, uh, what is it? Imposter syndrome. Like, sure. I, I don't even know how I got here. Like I, a year in, let's see where June, 2021. So early 2020, I think I had like 3000 followers, something like that, three, maybe 4,000. And I just, at the time, like it was a little bit before COVID and then when COVID hit and then I didn't have as much work that I was doing. I started just being a little bit more active on social media, just posting my workouts, just posting a little bit more frequently. And then it just started picking up. And then all uh, all of a sudden in November, I think it was November, I hit 10,000. I was like, oh my God, how did I get here? And then I started like get, just get a ton of messages, people asking me for advice and telling me that I inspired them. And they're, you know, I have dads telling me that I'm an inspiration for their daughters. And like, it just was like, I don't even know how it happened. It just was showing up more like organically and just being myself and it just took off. So I still kind of have these moments where I'm like, it feels weird. Cause I, I don't know. I didn't do anything like specific. I didn't pay anybody. I didn't like, you know, just, it just yeah. did, did my thing. So um, I like, I like it. It's, it feels like a full-time job sometimes just because I get, you know, 50 messages a day of mm-hmm. and people asking questions. I love it though. Like it allows me to help people and inspire people, which is ultimately what my mission is in life. And why I do what I do is just to help people get stronger and realize or help them realize like what's really possible. And so um, it's stressful at times. And I've had to put some like boundaries on, on the Instagram time uh, for myself, just for my own sanity. And so I make sure I'm getting stuff done that I need to get done for my business Mm. and myself. But um, it's, it's been quite an interesting experience. No, that's great. I think you you said it like just being yourself is the key. And I'm even realizing with with, with mine, like the people that I tend to like, or the people like you, like, there's a lot of fitness, you know, fakers out there. And I like immediately tell like, wow, Rebecca's really like committed to like, just not being a bullshit artist basically. And just obviously you put in the work, you're doing all this stuff. Um, have you, have, has it become, you you mentioned that you have to put boundaries. What what do you like? You have to only be on for a couple hours a day. Yeah. I started to, uh, I think about two months ago, I started to stay off of it until at least noon every day, just to like have my mornings to myself because mornings I find are the most productive times for me. So I get, you know, I have my weekly plan and my checklist of things that I want to get done each day. And I make sure that I get those things done, like the must do's for that mm-hmm. day. And then, you know, what I, at uh, noon is like my earliest that I would go on. So most, most days I stick to that. And unless I have like, I need to post at a specific time or something like that, but generally yeah, noon is my, my cutoff. That's a good idea. I should try to stick to that. I'm, I've been on for eight hours already. This is a, this is a problem, Rebecca. But let's start yeah. with the fitness journey. Now, you started off in gymnastics. Is that right? Yeah, I started gymnastics when I was quite young. I was three. So my parents okay. put me in it real, real young. And then I did that until I was 14 or 15. And what kind of training? Because that's a lot of flexibility. It's a lot of, you know, mobility. How did that training kind of get, did you, did you know you wanted to, to like work out? Were you already doing that, the typical strength training while you're doing this as a kid? 
Um, it's all body weight. I mean, mm-hmm. the, I didn't do much like in, in the way of weightlifting, but mm-hmm. gymnastics is definitely a strength sport because you you have to lift your own body and, and do all kinds of crazy stuff, flips and handstands. And it's a lot of stability, a lot of mobility. So I would say that that being a gymnast for 12 plus years is what really gave me the foundation to do what I do now, which is Olympic lifting requires a ton of mobility and stability and obviously strength, um, kettlebell training too. So it's just that laid the foundation for everything that came after for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, after 11, you get to your teens. Is that when you started weightlifting or were you into something else? No, I did gymnastics until high school. And then I stopped just focused on academics through high school and college. I did that's kind of college was when I got into the weight room scene and I started out doing bodybuilding. And then it wasn't until 2018 that I got into Olympic weightlifting really seriously. Okay. And now for the people, so everybody's like, what's the difference? What do you think is the biggest difference between Olympic weightlifting and let's just say power, power lifting? Uh, there's some similarities for sure, but Mm -hmm. they're two very different sports, uh, powerlifting being bench squat deadlift. So there you're still going for a one rep max, which is pretty much what you're doing in Olympic lifting too. But the, um, the, the power lifts are very just like raw strength. They're slower lifts, more controlled, um, versus the Olympic lifts, which are very explosive, powerful movements and they're fast. So we're looking at like explosive power on the snatch and the clean and jerk. Um, and so it's, it's just different in terms of energy systems being used and, and that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely carryover. I, I actually kind of had a crossroads when I got into, in 2018, I hired a coach mm-hmm. and, um, I was, I was starting to work in a new place and I was like, I need something to, I want to focus on myself, um, and, and training for a specific goal. And I was debating between powerlifting and Olympic lifting. And okay. the coach that I talked to, he, he was like, I can coach you on either. I wanted to compete in something, but he said with your gymnastics background and the amount of like mobility and stability that you have from that Olympic lifting would probably be the way to go for you. And I, I, I'm super glad I did that. I really enjoy the sport. Wow. And now what does your routine look like? Like nowadays, how much are you working out and how do you, how are you splitting up the time between doing all this stuff, the Instagram and your clients? Um, I'm super organized, hyper organized. Like my calendar is every hour has got something it's color coded. It's, it's just, I've always been that way. So, uh, super type a, but as far as my workouts now, the last year and a half has been just super weird because I've been moving around so much traveling gyms have been closed. And depending on where I in the country I am, I may or may not have gym access. So mm-hmm. I'd say kettlebells have been my saving grace, uh, over the last year because you don't need a gym to use them. So, uh, I've done a lot of kettlebell work, which I've been doing kettlebells since 2014 and, and really seriously since 2016. So kettlebells have been probably the majority of my training, but when I get my hands on a barbell, I definitely take advantage of it. Now let's talk about this because kettlebells are something I think undervalued and, and people don't realize like the use of them. I, I would just say I do some, some typical classic, you know, functional work, but how do you, how do you like typically st- set up a program just for kettlebells? Is it mostly a circuit type workout? Um, the answer is always, it depends. That's okay. like the most common answer when it comes to fitness questions, mm-hmm. because it depends on the client. And I, I don't know if you're talking about for myself or for my clients, but um, when it comes to clients, it definitely depends on the goal. So if client's goal is strength versus uh, hypertrophy versus endurance, if they're training for an event, like all that stuff is going to determine where I go with the client's program, because that's going to determine the rep range, how much weight we're using, how much rest we're taking, all that stuff. Okay. And now 
like for, for a typical workout, are you trying to set up with like four to five different kettlebells? Like, like how do you typically su- suggest doing it? Is it just, could you get a good workout in with just one and just kind of rip through it? Yeah. You, there's again, depends if, if the person only has one, absolutely. I can, we can work with that. There's plenty you can do with one. Um, is it better to have more than one? Probably you can do a lot more because depending on the size of the kettlebell, you know, it, I always recommend if people are like, where do I start? I'd say at a minimum, have a set of lighter bells and a set of moderate to heavy bells, because depending on the exercise you're doing, you're going to want one versus the other. So for like overhead work, you're going to want the lighter kettlebell, but if you're going for swings or deadlifts or carries, you're definitely going to want the heavier kettlebells. Cause you're going to get uh, more of a training, a stimulus from that, that load. Okay. Now, now regarding keeping it on the lighter side, I'm going to be a little selfish to think about myself because I, I will use it for light recovery, maybe even active recovery, three, four sets, 10, 50 swings, something like that. Do you suggest that that's an effective way to, to kind of just, you know, talk about for more from a beginner level, swing your way into it. And from a, from a basic level, could you use that for more of a recovery for the glutamis? Yeah. I mean, again, it always depends, but Mm -hmm. yes, you could, you could go lighter for some of those movements, but when it comes to like kettlebell swings and the ballistics, so swings, clean snatches, there's something to be said for having enough load because if it's kettlebell so light that you can just front raise it. Like I see a lot of one of the most kettlebell swings were probably one of the most butchered exercises in the Mm -hmm. gym. And people are doing a lot of like squat into a front raise. And that's completely missing the point of the kettlebell swing. The kettlebell swing is a hip dominant exercise supposed to be activating all the posterior chain muscles. So if you're doing squat into a front raise, then that's, that's completely the opposite of what we want to be doing. And so if you have enough load, when it comes to swings, like sometimes load is actually a corrective, because if you have enough load, you have to, you have no choice, but to use your hips and to generate power. But if it's so light that you can just, you know, move it around, hold out front for five minutes, like that's not really what we want to be doing. So, mm. um, I would recommend doing lighter loads for, some like warm up and recovery drills. So I would use them for like arm bars or prying goblet squats. Um, you can do like lighter carries just to get into, uh, you know, get, get acclimated to the load you're going to be using when you're, when you're working during your working set. So it just depends. Okay. Now, now regarding the backup a little bit to before you're the Rebecca of today, let's say 10 years ago, whatever, when did you start realizing like this this is what I want to do for a living. Like I want to make this my life. Cause I think that's so cool. It's commendable. It's amazing. How did you do that? And was that like a, like a, a prop, you know, I'm sure you had other career sets or plans. How did, how did that whole thing play out for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So I got my degrees in public health and Spanish. I had okay. both undergrad. So not really related to what I'm doing now, but when I graduated um, with my degrees, I was like, what am I going to do next? I had no clue what I wanted to do with those degrees. And so I, but I also had my personal trainer certification. I hadn't used it, but I just had it in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. So I was applying for jobs out of college. And uh, one of the jobs I applied for was personal trainer position at Equinox. And so they accepted me and I started working there. And in my head at the time, I said, Oh, I'll do this for a year while I'm looking for jobs and figuring out what I want to do with my career and how I want to work in public health and maybe use my Spanish. So I started doing that for a year or started doing that. And then a year later, like I had fallen in love with it. I loved learning. I loved learning about the body. I loved helping clients. I loved helping people reach their goals and getting to know people. Um, it's definitely a personal, uh, like personal training is very, is a very people-based business. So sure. just that relationship building and I just really enjoyed it. And so um, about a year, year and a half after I started that, I also got into interested in management 
So I took a manager position at Equinox and I needed that for five years. So all in all, I was there for six and a half years up until last August when uh, I left to pursue my own business. So it was just kind of like one thing led to another and I fell more and more in love with it. And then I realized this is what I want to do for you know my life. I feel like this is what I'm meant to be doing is helping people get stronger, inspire them, educate them and help them on their own journey to becoming their physically and mentally strongest selves because of how much of an impact it's had on my own journey. I want to be able to impart that on, on other people. So, yeah. And I see you talk about that a little bit on, on the Semper Strong page of like the me- mentally strong. Now, do you consider yourself, or you, you seem to be pretty, pretty tough gal. Were you always mentally strong? Is that, was that kind of innate in you? I don't think so. I think okay. in some ways, yes. In some ways, no, I think gymnastics helped me um, from a young age with like the discipline because I didn't have a normal childhood. Like I, you know, I went to school and so then I went to gymnastics practice for three and a half hours and I did homework, went to bed, rinse, repeat. Mm-hmm. And then on weekends I had competitions and I often had to travel for those out of state or out of, you know, out of the city or the County. So definitely it gave me a lot of structure and a lot of appreciation for having living a disciplined life from the, from a young age. But in terms of the mental toughness and like being resilient and, um, looking at like embracing challenges and hardships. I think a lot of that actually came from being a military wife and having to go through, you know, moving every two to three years, a lot of time apart from my husband, deployments, lack of communication, a lot of unknowns and just learning how to go with the flow and, and find strength and find uh, happiness and, and, fi- and find um, joy in the challenge and the process and overcoming those challenges. So I think it's just kind of been a combination of, of those things throughout my last 10 years that I've been with him. Yeah. Cause you were talking me and Rebecca were talking before about how she's moving around and stuff. And I'm like, I'm 10 blocks away from my, the house I grew up in. Like, I can't, I can't leave Brooklyn. It's it's, I can't imagine doing that every couple of years, but I think what, what you're saying, and I'm sure when you, when you, when you see your husband, um, it's like kind of like, you know, it's more powerful, right? You have to make those, those times count. Now, now how does he fit into the fitness world? Is he into, super into fitness too? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a Marine. So by nature, oh, he, uh, that'll do. Well, yeah, yeah, he has to be fit for his job. So he, he kind of did what a lot of people start out in the bodybuilding space and then kind of move around from there when it comes to fitness. And that was the same with us when we both met in college at the gym, uh, we were both into the bodybuilding scene. We did a show together. And then, um, after when I started working at Equinox, I learned all about the world of functional fitness and all the tools involved in that kettlebells and barbells and maces and all that stuff. So he kind of learned along with me. And as I went through my career as a trainer and learned all this knowledge, I just shared it with him. And we both kind of shifted our own path of fitness towards that more functional um, strength based focus instead of aesthetics. Mm-hmm. And, talk, you know, we've learned about nutrition and um, changed our whole diet and lifestyle and everything. So he values that so much. Now he's a big part of the business that we've, we've built the business together. It's I'm kind of the face of it. He's still active duty. So he has full-time job plus other stuff. So he does more of the back end stuff for Simper Stronger. Um, but he's equally as passionate about fitness and strength as I am. And so it was a natural, natural shift for us to go and start this business together. And I'm sure being a Marine, he got some, uh, some mental toughness of his own, huh? No doubt. Yeah. He's been deployed three times and moved around wow. like, you know, every two to three years he's been in 16 years now. So. Wow. Now how, how does this, cause that seems to be the, the difference maker for, for me to want to talk to you is like, how do you get a, for me, the reason why I never grew or never got bigger was I was, I was mentally weak and I've, you know, you're still, you work through that and I've gotten, you know, tougher with the mind muscle connection, all that stuff. Is that something um, you see with your clients? Cause for me, that was like my biggest issue. It wasn't eating, you know, it's just push being able to go hundred percent. Is that what you see with your clients? 
Yeah, it's different for everybody. Everyone's got their own obstacles and barriers. I have some clients who are more who struggle more with the mental side, and I have some that struggle more with the physical side. I have some who are just have too many too, too busy, like their schedule's so crazy with work that mm-hmm. it's just a matter of you know getting in the workouts and making the time for the nutrition. So everyone's got their own challenges, but I think when you can marry the physical and the mental and like put them together in this beautiful symphony of toughness and strength amazing things happen. And that's, that's what I feel really called and compelled to do with my, my time on this planet earth. Yes. That is like, that is exactly what I do on this podcast on Mondays. I'm talking to people, psychology, more like not, not mentally fit people, just psychologists, Buddhists, like people. Cause I feel like doing my mental work every day. Like if I don't get my meditation, if I don't get to do my breath work, I'm like not having a good workout at the gym. Like my, my, I train with like these IFBB pro guys and like, Oh, Scott didn't meditate today. The, 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 the girl that meditated today. I'm like, take it easy guys. Now, now do you do any mental work? Um, I have, I I've tried meditation. I've, I've taken the Wim Hof course. I like went to Wim Hof method, um, workshop in person in New York. Wow. So like I've dabbled in it. Um, it's not something I would, I I wish it was, but it's not something that's like a consistent practice for me. It's, I don't, maybe, maybe I need more discipline when it comes to the breath work and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I definitely, I journal, I do mindset work. I'm, I'm currently taking a course right now called Trident Mindset. It's like developed by Navy SEALs and neuroscientists. And it's all about, um, the 12 tactics to becoming mentally tough. And so I'm going through that right now. So I definitely am very aware of my mindset and the yeah. shifts that I make throughout my day, but I don't necessarily have like a time that I meditate every day or anything like that. Oh, that, that all that stuff is great. That's like the, for me, journaling, like changed everything. I think just getting, getting your thoughts down. It's a little bit of like therapizing with yourself. It's a little bit of like just evaluating what's going on. It's, it's introspection. I feel like people who are successful at your level, are, there's always some form of it. What, you know, Because what I tell people, it's like, I, I, I'm the kid from Brooklyn. I never would have thought meditation for an hour would be for me, but it just works for me. But everybody got to try these different things. And like you're like with me, the, the Wim Hof method didn't work because I'm going 100%. I don't, I don't have a problem pushing it. I have a problem pulling back. So I kind of slowed it down with more of a slower breath work. But um, no, it sounds like you got a bunch of different m- mental toughness. Now let's talk about this, um, this Iron Maiden. What is that? I didn't even look it up because I wanted you to tell me because it sounds terrifying. It's, it's not as terrifying as it sounds. So okay, okay. Um, Iron Maiden is a, it's like a, it's not really a competition. It's more of a, a title that you earn through Strong First. Are you familiar with Strong First? Yes. Yes. So, so I have my certification through Strong First mm-hmm. for kettlebells. Um, and so they have a, a challenge that at any certification that you, you can attend, they have, I think it's always on the first day, any male or female that wants to attempt the challenge can do so. The males, it's called the Beast Tamer and the females, it's called Iron Maiden. And the beast, the, the 48 kilogram kettlebell is known as the beast in the kettlebell mm-hmm. community. And so that is 106 pounds. Yep. And then women, they use, we use the um, 24 kilos. So half of that, which is 53 pounds. So basically what you have to do to earn the title is complete a weighted pull-up, a, a pistol squat and an overhead press with that kettle, with the 24 for me, 24 kilogram kettlebell. So, and then for males, it's the, the 48 kilo. So I was able to do that at my level one certification in 2016. Um, at the time, I was the 16th woman to achieve it in, in the world. Strong First is a worldwide organization. And many more have done it since, which is great to see so many women embracing yeah. strength training and being super strong. So, uh, but yeah, that was one of the, the first experiences I had with Strong First was learning that title and getting my level one in the same weekend, which is pretty memorable. Right. Now, were you a little nervous for that lift? Or were you like, yo, I got this. I'm going to rip it. Th- I'm going to rip through this. Um, I was definitely nervous. I mean, it was 
in front of the whole group. I think there were probably 50 people there, uh, students get, or attempting their certification. I was actually pretty new to like the school of strong first at the time. And I didn't, it was funny because people always ask like, how did you train for that? And I'm always like hesitant to say, but I didn't even know what it was until about three or four weeks before the cert. And, <laughs> but I, like a lot of women that do this, they train for six months to a year to get it. And before they attempt it. So I had, a, I had such a good foundation for, for my strength um, already when I, when I learned about it a month before the certification. So when I attempted the three lifts at, at first, I was able to do the, the pull-up, the pull-up's always one of my strongest. And I was able to do the pistol. I had never attempted it before. I'd never done a weighted pistol before, um, but I did it. And I think my second or third try, and then the press was the only one that I couldn't do. So I trained for about two weeks to get the press and then I was able to put the 24 overhead. So I felt confident going into it because I yeah. knew I had done them all in training, but I, I was nervous doing it in front of that many people, plus all the instructors that were there. Oh my God. Did the husband ever try the beast? He has done the pull up for, with the beast. He has a shoulder issue on one side. So, and the other it's on his stronger side. So okay. that might not happen for a little bit for sure. the press. And he actually can't do a pistol squat because of his poor ankle mobility, having spent the last 16 years wearing combat boots all day. Mm. So he needs to work on his ankle mobility before we're doing pistols with him. Uh, me too. I think most guys got to work on their, their ankle mobility. Now, how do you break out your, your routine of lifting mixed with recovery and this kind of mobility stability piece of the, of the puzzle? Yeah, I think it's important to have both or have all, all of those elements. So I definitely spend time each week on all of those things. Um, it depends again, where I, where I am, because it's been a little bit transient the last mm -hmm. year, but generally I'm lifting four ish times a week, maybe five, usually about four, four, like heavy days and maybe one not so heavy day, but still doing loaded movement, just lighter. Um, usually I have two full days that are, I'm not lifting at all. Some days I'll do like a swim. Uh, some days I'll do maybe a, a longer walk or some, I don't do, I don't do a lot of like just steady state cardio. I don't like running. Um, I'll do it every once in a while, but I'd say four days lifting one day of like some sort of light movement. And then two, two days of uh pretty good, like rest. Very nice. Yeah. And I feel like everybody, cause you mentioned earlier, like you, you, you changed it from aesthetics to more performance and everybody that tells me that you guys all look freaking great. And I'm so jealous. I'm <laughs> like, what the, f like, it's just, a. It, I think some of the, cause that's the thing with bodybuilding for me. It's like. I'm not really being athletic. You know, I got a little too big in, in the winter time and I was like, I don't like this. So I had to start doing the road bike. I started doing some, you know, just cross some CrossFit stuff. Like, how do you view that whole situation? Were you in that like spot of like, I want to aesthetically look good. And how did you change that mindset? Because I feel like it's a little backwards. Like, why would I, I would want to first feel good and then probably look good. Right. Yeah, I think that that's actually such a good point. And I wish more people would shift their folk. I mean, obviously competitive bodybuilders, yeah. they need to train a certain way to God be on stage that way. That's a, that's a one small percentage of the population we're talking about, but the rest of the people who just, you know, want to look, feel and move well, I think if more people focused on uh, performance and strength versus aesthetics, we, people would be actually a lot happier with the way that they both looked right. and felt. And um, for me, like when I, I was very young when I was doing the bodybuilding type stuff. So there is something to be said too, for just muscle maturity, training age, and just spending more time under under load like and by title mean like an hour and versus an hour and a half workout i mean mm -hmm. years of training yep. because the muscle maturity it, you know it happens over time and so when i did my bodybuilding show i think i was 21 years old it was the youngest competitor wow. and 
I was happy with the way I looked. I mean, I had dieted down and got the tan and everything, but the, the people who looked the best were the women who were like in their early thirties. And that's where I am now. So I, it's, it just happens with time, you know, spend, do enough sets and reps under load and you're, you build enough muscle. I think for me, like what's made the biggest difference is building muscle and strength. And because of that, my metabolism is super fast. So I eat a lot to build. It's kind of like a, you know, which came first, like I eat a lot, I train hard. And then I train hard, burn the calories. And then I eat a lot to recover. And then I eat a lot to train and, you know, it just keeps going. So, um, because like, I think what most people get hung up on, especially probably more women than men, is they think that they need to just be working out more and doing more volume. And usually it's cardio that they're doing more of and spending so much time because it, during that cardio session, you're burning a lot of calories, no doubt. Like mm-hmm. you burn, you know, if we do an hour of cardio, that's, you know, moderate intensity and an hour of uh, weight training, you're going to burn more calories in that hour doing cardio. But what happens after is what makes the difference. And people don't realize that. And if you, when you finish your, your, you know, moderate intensity cardio session, your, you know, your uh, caloric expenditure is goes back to normal. Like your metabolism is kind of humming along at neutral, mm-hmm. but when you are strength training, that recovery from the, the breaking down the muscle tissue under load and then rebuilding and repairing that muscle tissue requires so much more energy than the cardio did. You don't really need to like recover per se from cardio. Your muscles are, they didn't have any stress on them. When you, when you load them with external load, um, weights, you then have to recover from that. And that recovery period can take 24 to 48 hours. And that whole time that you're recovering is burning energy calories. And so over time, you know, compound that by days, weeks, months, years, there's, you can really do a number on your, in a good way on your metabolism and make it so much faster and make your body really efficient at burning calories at rest by having more muscle on your body. And that happens through strength training. And so many people don't realize that. I think my sister's listening to this and I'm not saying Rebecca's saying it, the Olympic trainer's saying it. Cause I, I just, you know, in Brooklyn, all these girls just do cardio, cardio, cardio. I'm like guys, a little, a little strength training is not gonna, that's the answer. That's how you get the look. That's how you get that physique and the, the muscles, you know? It's the fountain of youth. Oh man, that's crazy. Now, how how do you foresee the next like five years of Semper Strong and particularly like guiding the younger generation? Because I feel like with Instagram, it could get a little people can get misinformation. I see a lot of people doing fake diets out there, and like you know, if, with, what you're saying is just putting putting a little bit of work. And that was like my problem. Like, I didn't want to try a snatch. I didn't want to try a clean. It's a little hard, honestly. I'm a little nervous. I was a little nervous with this little baby shoulder. And, and you know, <laughs> what, what is your plan? Yeah. So I think to your point, I think that there is a lot of, a lot of information, a lot of misinformation, a lot of marketing. That's really, really good. And, you know, I'm, I'm out there with, you know, my husband and myself and our little tiny business, and we're trying to compete with that. And I am, I'm so um, adamant about the, the quality and the messaging of what we put out there and not ever trying to um, misinform or get people to buy our product because we're going to promise them this like amazing transformation in six days or anything. it's not, it's not that. And that's so unrealistic. And so many people fall victim to that type of messaging from so many companies that are just trying to profit and make, you know, a dollar or whatever, get a, get a customer. And ultimately, like, I, I have to trust that in the long run, we're going to, f- the people that are going to co- become customers or clients of ours are people who believe in what we have to say and believe that, this is something that we can, that we're, we're going to do for life. Like we are, I'm very against the 30 day abs or six week summer shred. Like that's just mm-hmm. not, 
what my my calling and my mission is to help people get strong and build habits that they can take with them for life. And it's not a short-term thing. Hopefully we're all here for a long time. And mm-hmm. I want to help people make those changes that they can sustain for life because it, ha- it is truly life-changing if you stick with it. But if you go do something for six weeks and then drop it and go right back to what you're doing before that six weeks, you're going to go right back to where you were. And that's not what I want to help people do. I want to help people for, for the long haul. So yeah, that, that, that yo-yo effect happens a, a lot with people. And it's like, I, I've just, I, I used to be 270 pounds. So I was like, I just, I just never want to go back. It's hundred pounds going. Like, I never want to do it. But how, how, how do you suggest somebody kind of avoiding that, that yo-yo period? Cause is it just seasonal? Cause in New York, it's like, everybody wants to look good during, during this, the summer, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, that that's a, a factor to consider is depending on where in the world or in the country you live, you know, you might not have sunshine year round, but what I just don't understand personally, the mentality of like wanting to look a certain way six months of the year and then not caring the rest of the year. Like it's, again, it's a lifestyle. And so I, I think that if people can understand that and, and understand the value of, and, and how much better they feel, a lot of times people, when they, when they achieve that goal or they reach, they reach a new milestone or they don't, they start to feel better. They realize how much damage they were doing before whatever they're doing before whether that's severe calorie restriction because they think that's the best way to lose weight or that's not caring about what they're eating so i'm just gonna eat and drink and i'll work out really hard but i'm gonna eat whatever i want and like there's got to be something in between and so that's what I'm, I'm all about finding people helping people find sustainability in their nutrition habits and their lifestyle habits and their training habits and realizing how much better they can look, feel, and move when they incorporate all those things. And it doesn't have to be a drastic shift overnight because drastic shifts rarely last for a long time. It's all about gradual changes, building new habits. And I I also like to take the approach of addition versus subtraction, because when people hear, you know, fitness or diet or whatever, they think like, oh, what do I have have to give up something I love, or I have Mm -hmm. to cut this thing out. So when I work with clients on nutrition and um, you know, making habit changes, I often start with what can we add instead of, all right, you're going to take out this, 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 and this let's add more water. Let's add more lean protein. Let's add more fruits and vegetables instead of like, all right, I need you to get rid of this, that, and the other. So that's usually a better approach. I find, I mean, yeah, it sounds way better than taking away pizza or something, something delicious, but now, you, you know, it sounds like your metabolism is at a point where, you know, you, you could eat, you know, are you, are you in a super, you know, you're calendared up, you have a lot of discipline. Are you meal, meal, like meals every couple hours and doing the classic, you know, carb protein? How does your diet look? It is contrary to what people might think. I, I don't actually track anything when it comes to food. I, um, I built those, I've spent years and years building those habits. My body, I know what my body needs. I know what makes me feel good. I know it, that there's room for indulgences every once in a while. And i I'll be the first one to say I eat chocolate probably seven days a week, every single day. Um, so, but that majority, I say 90 to 95% of my diet is very whole foods based. So I eat, you know, lean proteins. I eat a lot of vegetables, fruits, um, and a lot of water. And it's not, it's not hard. It's simple. It's not easy, but, um, it's not hard either. Like it just takes time and discipline and it takes time to build those habits. So, um, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say I eat 90 to 95% like whole foods. I eat when I, till I'm 80% full usually. And then if I listen to my body when it's ready to eat again, I feed it and I leave room for, you know, a cookie every now and then or some ice cream or a glass of wine when I, you know, maybe once, twice a week. So 
And obviously you're earning it, right? That's, you know, that's the other piece. People have to go to the gym if they want to be able to, to, to enjoy themselves. You can't, you know, like that was my problem. Every, every fourth day I was like, I earned a cheat meal. And it's like, you really, you really didn't earn a cheat meal there, Scott. You know, I think it's, it, at this point, the diet stuff is simple. It's like a little bit of, you know, a lot of protein, a little bit of carbs, a little bit of the fat, depending on what you want to do. Um, no, that's great. Um, is there anything else you want to, you know, is there anything coming up or anything you want to promote or something we could, everybody could check out? We're going to put all the notes in the bottom, but you know, anything yeah. at all? Um, I mean, Semper Stronger, we're always available for, we're, we have a membership now. So that was something we added earlier this year. We have a lot of, we're growing pretty, pretty steadily. So if people are into kettlebell training, I post a workout every single day, kettlebell and a body weight workout. So trying to make fitness accessible and achievable for everybody. And depending on, you know, if it, whether you have gym access or you don't, you can do the body weight workouts. If you have nothing, if you have kettlebells, you like kettlebell training, we have a kettlebell workout every single day that I post in the app. We have signature programs. I'm going to be launching. We have right now two, two kettlebell programs and four other programs of body weight and bands. We have a back to the gym program. That's kind of a mix of everything, uh, barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells. And, um, and I have like a 30 days of body weight training. And then I'm going to be launching another kettlebell training, uh, kettlebell program at the end of the month. So definitely something for everybody, depending on what they're looking for and, um, looking to grow the community. We have a really solid group right now going in, in our community, um, in the app of all of our members and people can all over the world. We've got a member in Lithuania. We've got people in Canada, uh, Australia. So we're, we're, we're going global. You we're are connected. just ripping through content, Rebecca. You are a busy bee. It's yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's, it truly doesn't feel like work because I wake up every day and I look at my list of things to do. And I, I don't know what to do first because I want to do all of them. And, um, it's, it's so fulfilling to be able to build something from scratch that addict to me and I can put it out into the world, how, how I feel is appropriate and suitable for the messaging that I'm trying to send and the brand I'm trying to build. So I'm counting my blessings for sure. That's amazing. Very inspiring, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, everybody check out Semper Strong. We'll put every, all the notes in below, we'll put the Instagram, all the good stuff. Um, that's it, Rebecca. Really was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. Great chatting no with problem. you. Everybody keep doing what you're doing. Keep growing our community. Uh, leave a like, review, subscribe, all the crap that I always say. Uh, as always, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.